Hey, what's going on, guys? Hope you got your seatbelts on. This is going to be a really, really interesting episode. And uh, I'll get into it more, uh, as you'll see later in the episode. But this is a guy named Nick that I'd met on a uh, Facebook community. And struck up a conversation with him and asked him to come on the show and tell his story. But uh, I think this was Nick's first time ever doing a podcast and coming on and telling his story. So this was through a cell phone. This was the first time recording in my new studio. So I have my soundproofing and stuff up. So the quality is not as good as you are used to from me. And for that, I apologize. But the content is definitely not lacking. But uh, I just wanted to let you guys know about that and apologize up front. So there is some some static, a little bit of echo, but uh, just look over that and focus on the content because the, the content is there. I just wanted to preface that before we get into it, but sit back, relax, and enjoy the journey, guys. All things continually lead back to serpents, dragons, fairies, Nephilim, and fallen angels. In the distance looms a mystical mountain. As Mike Heiser used to say, if it's in the Bible and it's weird, it's probably important. At its peak, a great fire burns, concealing the Prometheus lens. This development of this knowledge that's being talked about within the mystery schools. An ancient artifact said to reveal the hidden truth within a deliberately darkened world. There is a hidden history that's been deliberately obfuscated from the peoples of the world. Join us as we travel and explore the vast unknown. It's a hero's journey with dragons to slay, damsels to save, and innumerable treasures to hoard. Torches high. The Smithsonian, they'd call wind of a giant skeleton, would send their agents out to get it. But it takes courage to move forward, to move out of the shadows, out of the uh, unreality that we think of as reality. We are all on the hero's journey. Mankind has been in contact with and influenced by extraterrestrials. Leave the Sitchin mound of bull feathers out of it. You know, look at it from a different perspective. A different perspective. Different perspective. Different perspective. Different perspective. What's happening? What's up? Hold out your glass because we're about to fill it up. Welcome to the Prometheus Lens Podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Here we like to use the allegory of the Prometheus lens, just take second looks at everything. Well, today, you know, we're going to talk about some uh, supernatural experiences and the, and the darker side of things. You know, there's people out there that's had supernatural experiences in this world and they don't feel safe to talk about them. They're afraid that they're going to be ridiculed, made fun of, or, or be called, you know, attention seekers and things like that. So when we actually have these people that are willing to, to step forward and talk about their experiences, we need to, to be there with an open ear and listen, because there's always lessons to be learned, and uh, no one rule of war is to know thy enemy. Well, I was on a uh, Facebook community one day, and we were talking, a uh, big group of us, about the, the fallen realm and Satan and uh, just things of this nature. And uh, we had a few people coming up saying, you know, you know, Satan's not real and oh, it's a figment of your imagination. And these people that make this stuff up, they're just, you know, making up stories for attention and just going back and forth like that. 
And then I had this, this man that responded and said, no, I know that the, the dark realm is real. And I know Satan is real. And he said, I have seen the Baphomet. And immediately this, you know, sparked my attention. So I, I reached out to this gentleman and sent him a message. And I didn't hear back from him for probably maybe like a month or two. But then all of a sudden I get a message back from him. And he's like, hey, I'd love to sit down and talk to you about this. I'm just now seeing your message. So that is why we're here today. But uh, I'd like to introduce the show, Nick. Nick, thank you for coming forward and uh, talking to us today. Thank you, Justin. I really appreciate having the ability to do so. And uh, just like I said, you know, in the, the opening there, this is uh, not a easy subject. It's not a comfortable subject. So we definitely appreciate uh, your bravery and your courage to, and your openness to come out and talk about these things. Whatever can bring uh, hopefully to somebody, even even in between the lines of the, the story, I, I I strive every day to, uh, to try to bring some sort of seed or understanding of you know how, how the world works and God. <laughs> At least my 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 perspective, however skewed it is, <laughs> it maybe resonates with somebody else. <laughs> Well, Nick, uh, I guess just uh, give us the backstory. Let us know a little bit about yourself and uh, childhood upbringing and uh, give us a, a feel for who, who Nick is. Oh, I, I grew up in, a, in an old Victorian house in a small town. And my grandparents were the original owners, you know, that lived here, my mom moved in with them so her and my older brother at the time you know so my mom got remarried so we always had a large family and you know that was about three when that happened so uh the house specifically that i've lived in unbeknownst to me at the time was always filled with paranormal activity my grandpa had experiences and then later on down the road, my stepdad would, and I did too, quite a bit as a child. Like I, uh, like I said, had a large family, so there was always people around. My grandparents had, you know, grandpa's brother lived here at one time, so it was not uncommon to see a lot of people all around all the time. But the difference was, is like I would see people that I didn't realize they looked different the way they dressed because they'd be dressed in like old early 1900s late 1800s sort of clothes what i you know but i didn't think nothing of it and i just see him acting out things and telling me things it was just a to me it was it didn't make sense but i didn't i wasn't spooked by it you know what i mean yeah so i i, I would like i remember one specific like one really out of a number of others like you know, I, me and my brother had bunk beds, and uh, my mom even says, you know, we used to talk about how we'd see our toys being played with, and, and the understanding was that there was a woman and a child spirit presence here that my grandfather saw, and my stepdad saw, but when I was a kid, I was just laying there, you know, and I heard the sound of my mom call my name in the middle of the night, woke up, 
and there was like a woman figure standing in the in the bedroom doorway. And I saw one of our boys. It was like this old Transformers type cap gun that would transform from a robot into a, like a gun or something like that, a cap gun. And floating right above me with this like green hue behind it. And I just laid there dumbfounded, just staring at it. And for whatever reason, I just got up and walked into the bathroom and swallowed a quarter. <laughs> I mean, it's just so silly, but it's a very, you know, vivid memory of mine. And I couldn't tell you how, maybe I was like three or four when that happened, you know? So just a lot of weird things, not quite as weird as that, but like just stuff that I like in my hindsight, my memory, I'm like, what did I see? What was that stuff? You know what I mean? And that's what's uh, I find you know fascinating is when you know these people that, that have these encounters and these stories from young ages, they're all very similar. They all say, "Oh, well, I've seen this every day. I just I thought it was normal. I thought you know everybody's seen it. You know, it's always that same kind of thing." Uh, Karen Wilkinson, she was you know abducted you know by aliens from she said as early as she can remember. She never told nobody. She said she thought that it just happened to everybody. She thought it was just a normal thing. And uh, Micah Turnbow uh, spoke to him. He, he sees spirits and sees into the spiritual realm. And he said that he remembers being a kid in church and just seeing these uh, glowing apparitions uh, circle around his sisters while they were doing praise and worship. And he just thought that that was part of the, the light show, that everybody's seen it. So, I mean, that's that's a very common thing. Yeah, and when you're that young, you don't, you don't, what's what, you know what I mean? Like, you really are of probably the most pure sense of, of the world because you don't have any preconceived notions about anything. You just take it as it goes. Well, uh, were they always benevolent? Like, did you ever have any, like, you know, them trying to scare you, mess with you? Like, you know, you hear like poltergeists, you know, throwing dishes and things like that. No. No, 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 no. It was always very, uh, almost like a comfort, like almost like unassuming. Um, and this uh, here's the interesting thing about these specific ones because they were generational. Because, like I said, my grandfather experienced had a few experiences, and my stepdad did, and the way that I did wasn't just them it was a number of other ones and then i think my little brother even claimed which was strange to me at the time because i had always felt a darker presence but never saw anything but he claimed he had seen like a dark figure that like just felt like an evil presence and and i i never got that sense but i i never doubted it either by the time i got a little bit older and took a little bit more intrigued to these things, I, I just started wondering if like there wasn't some sort of. And this is way before I had any real understanding of the spiritual world, you know, or any sort of, you know, religious connotations, anything tied to it, because that's really where my faith starts from is the spirituality of sorts. But uh, the only thing that I had happen that I would say that I didn't know is I. Like, I'd have these figures tell me to do, like, mischievous things. Like, I would, I would like, 
I was pretty young when my mom got married, remarried. Um, my stepdad was a, a big toy collector. Like he had vintage toys and, you know, he'd buy newer toys and they'd be in the package. And I'd, I'd have someone tell me, and it, I mean, it sounds like what a kid would want to do anyway. Like someone would tell me to go open those toys up, go get into them, right? I knew better. And I, in my own mind, I would never have done something like that. But the minute that someone told me to go do it, I would all, I would just feel like it was okay to go do it, right? And so I would. And we talk about too, like a lot of preconditioning, like you know, like especially like with Hollywood, you know, you see all these things play out in these movies and it's actually happening in real life. As you was telling that story, I couldn't help but think of that movie uh, from the eighties or early nineties, uh, little monsters. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. That's what that put me in the mind of, you know, for, for those that are listening, that's unfamiliar with this, this movie. Uh, it's got Howie in it from the, uh, you know, let's make it or wait, like make a deal. What is it? Who wants to be a millionaire? Who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah. And did the, America's Got Talent, I think. Yeah. Old one. Yeah, Howie Mandela. But he played a monster. You know how kids always say there's a monster under their bed. And that's what he was. And there was this whole other realm underneath the bed that would open up at night. And these monsters would come out and terrorize these kids. And then they would, you know, do all these mischievous things to get the kids in trouble and blame the kids and talk the kids into doing these things too. Yep. That's funny. I love that movie as a kid. And, uh, <laughs> I, I guess I never put those together. Like I'm thinking about it. Like, yeah. What do you say? He said, where there's a bed, there's a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. That's funny, man. I never thought about that. Well, um, uh, you had mentioned, you know, that your, your faith journey kind of started off, you know, like, in spirituality, uh, would you care to, to go into that? So I'm, I'm assuming by that, uh, you know, you wasn't raised like in a Christian home, I guess. No, not necessarily. Uh, actually, that was nothing as far as that's concerned. There really, we didn't have any, my, my dad, who I didn't really talk to for like the first 13, 14 years of my life. I didn't know. I guess he grew up Catholic, but it's never been an opposed thing or anything. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I am the epitome of, of a latchkey kid. I don't know. Some people know what that is. It's, you know, I I went to school on my own in the morning because my mom worked her shift. And I took myself to school from kindergarten, you know, so I didn't go to a babysitter sometimes. But uh, me and my older brother, we just, we came home on our own, you know, unlocked the door. The key was out in the, under the mat or whatever. And. We we got ourselves off to school as well, so we didn't. We had a pretty I wouldn't say liberal because whatever that word means today isn't the same as what I mean. But we were we were pretty unchecked for a lot of ways. It was a different time, you know. It was like that even when I was growing up. You know what they call it now: free range parenting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I mean not that my just working class people, that. you know. Yeah, and and I get it. You know, I'm 40 now with three kids, man. You're just you're tired, and it's really to let things just overseen, and you know, you don't know sometimes. Like, 
it's just life unfortunately in that aspect yeah well so when you mentioned spirituality the thing that popped in my mind was kind of like you know maybe like you know some new age type stuff is that what you were referring to or no so so those happenings right i and i was just talking about this with one of my good friends who uh is probably a rare one that like is on very few people that i find is deeply biblically understanding uh, that I can talk to a lot of this. And I, and I was talking about that earlier, you know, in preparation of like doing this with you. And I was like, I don't know where the notion of like what demons were ever got introduced. But uh, my, my grandpa's uncle who was a pastor, just so happenedly, when I would talk about some of these things, um, I start, at some point I started referring to it that demons were the ones doing this. And I just, I remember all the other, and even my grandpa himself, like the way that they would kind of like, almost like play into the conversation, like as if though, you know, they're just catering to a kid's, you know, rantings or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah, that happens, Nick, you know, like as if though it's normal. And I remember him being the one that kind of was the one that told me about such things. And I think he saw way more than, and I'll get to him because he was the one, you know, when I was 13 that did my baptism for me. So like spirituality to me was like at whatever point of conscious understanding that there was another world of sort when it came to, you know this world uh, that existed but what i kind of like didn't understand was like how some people were so accepting that they they believed in such things but yet i felt like that they weren't being as genuine in like their their own intrigue about it right because like my grandfather himself like he had these experiences but like i couldn't really ever talk to him on a level where I felt like he was hearing me, you know, and like how real this was, it was almost like it was like folklore feeling, right? So yeah, in spirituality, it's it's always been my inability to coincide like what the actual physical world, and then this world of intuition and feeling, and then you know, once you become conscious of such things you really start battling with that a little bit, I think. And I, I know I did, you know, very early on because it was just like, well, they became less apparent as visuals, right? So it's not like I'm seeing these things. Once It really seems like once I had some sort of title to give them, I don't remember ever having like outright visuals until later on. And then, of course, that has to hit, you know, in a really bad point of adolescence when you're, you know, like me, I was a little troubled when it came to, you know, not being a good kid, but like I I saw certain things at times and Yeah, you don't know if it's the drugs talking or what. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. And he's talking about the Christians too. I mean, and I've talked about this a lot. It's uh I use uh, L.A. Marzulli's phrase a lot because he, he articulates it really well. You know, he says that, you know, the the modern day church has a very truncated view of the supernatural. You know, they, yeah. they believe, you know, that Jesus was 
conceived and born of a virgin, that he died and resurrected after three days, and that he ascended to heaven, and angels ascending and descending, and walking through walls and breaking chains of, of prisoners and setting them free and just all these supernatural things in their Bible that they say they believe and profess in. But when you start having conversations like we're having right now, know that they're, they're seeking attention. Oh, they're liars or they're on drugs or, you know what yeah. I mean? It's just like with them, it's, it's the, the buck stops at Jesus. It's either they proclaim they believe these things and really don't, or they think that that God just doesn't operate like that no more. Or after the cross, the, the power switch got turned off. Yeah. No, that, I know for 100% certainty that that's not the case. And what I've come to kind of figure out a little bit is that you know, there's aspects of faith that are just, you know, not even really that easy to, to really realize where you're challenged with them and how that ultimately reflects back to your faith on the God. And he's trying to present those. It's kind of like, you know, almost illuminated things that point us to the narrow path. But I always talk about that, like we're like repeated themes. In someone's life when it comes to like especially like you know love relationships and how we conduct ourselves in that you know how society imposes that etc like you know why, why how do i always end up with this type of person blah 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 like yeah it's probably you know god trying to get you to see an aspect of how you love you know yeah, I always see those testing grounds. You know, it's like yeah. you keep making the same mistakes, so you keep getting the same test over and over again. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly like, you know, pretty much what it is. And there's all sorts of aspects. And when it comes to faith, that's, that's one of the ones that I've so sorry to, you know, to have figured out so long into my life, given that I've had all these things. That's why. You know, I've, I've, I've been accused of being a smart person and <laughs> I don't, I don't feel that way. I feel like I've, I've just had to learn hard way one too many times, you know? <laughs> no, I totally get it. Guilty as charged. Well, uh, walk us through, uh, you know, uh, so you had these experiences as a kid and you mentioned that, uh, you know, you were baptized uh, 13 and, and I didn't I didn't really take the Christianity per se at that point but I will say like I became a very conscious uh, person like as far as like just being more aware self-aware my self-awareness really really started at that point um, and you know before I get far from it my, my uncle that baptized me he uh like I said, he was the only one that kind of seemed to take seriously these things that I said as a kid, you know, a little kid. He leaned into me when he got done, you know, with the baptism, took his hand off my head. Uh, he leaned in and he said, this is going to, this is more important than you, than you realize or something like that. Like where I'd never thought about that again until 
the night of my salvation in 2019. Like that's what I call my real salvation. I finally came to it because, you know, I'm I'm sorry to say that like at the time when I was a teenager through my early adulthood up until then, I never was ready to accept the biblical God because as I I always knew there was something wrong in the world. There was something wrong with some of the big things like money and just the things that like are really important to people, like having you know a job as far as like the means of why you had a job. Like it really bothered me, and, and I kind of always at the time it was like, well, is that just because I want to be you know not a loser, but like I'm an aspiring musician, so like is this my excuse to not? you know, do such things or whatever, because I was always going against the grain in that sense. And, uh, well, I can say now at 40, you know, I own a house and I, and I work a solid job. I do all those things and I don't feel the least bit gratified by it in that sense. Like to where I was imposed on to like take it as, you know what I mean? I feel pretty validated in some of those things and to come to the, you know, realization of what money is you know, and how it's manipulated and just in that whole sense, like, yeah, I feel pretty validated, like, even having those almost apprehensions as a younger person, like, I carry very much the spirit of that youth sense, right? <laughs> Not to get too far up, like I said, my uncle he says this to me more to you and I guess I would watch a lot of the History Channel, right? Especially back in the early 2000s and anybody that did, all you ever saw was these cosmos like you know the universe that I think that program on there so like I'm not saying it's aliens but it's aliens. <laughs> right and and especially like Big Bang so like I was always at odds with uh, like you know accepting that as like this truth right and nobody talked about flat earth back then no you didn't hear about stuff like that and and, and I wasn't opposed to a biblical god I just I really felt like, well, if this is such an in-your-face kind of mainstream type thing, then I, I take it with apprehension. I'd even say that, even at the moments like where I'd find a biblical passage, where I'd be like, wow, that really hits the nail right on the head. And I, I'd straight up like look up to the sky, and I'd be like, I still don't know if it's you or not, you know? Like, just always things like that happening over, you know, 20-some-odd years. <laughs> And if you look at the, the, the biblical narrative, you know, a lot of people will, you know, talk badly about you, but, you know, look at, you know, Doubting Thomas, look at Gideon. You know, there was plenty of uh, people in the Bible that God used and did great things in service of the Lord that were, were doubters and had questions and asked for signs and things like that. That's just a, a natural human reaction. Well, yeah. And, you know, I didn't know a lot of those things, and I I was pretty oblivious to a good amount of it. And you know, I, I, it all happens in its own time, obviously. But uh, I'm really grateful that I finally it, it came to in the circumstances of whatnot. And I I'm glad that I brought up that job aspect part of it because it really wasn't until you know, I didn't have a planned parent, you know, thing. Like, I, I lived a pretty 
promiscuous life. I, I did drugs freely. Like I, I got really bad in the, the opiates. I was a heroin addict, you know, in my early mid twenties. And I even, I even had a weird moment and all that where whatever was out there is what I would say. Like whatever's out there. I wanted, like, I had this like weird fascination with like learning about the dark side. And I'm not even like a, a Star Wars fan, but like, I guess if you had to put it in a sense of comparative, like, I, there was a darker aspect of human nature that I was more fascinated with, I guess. And not that I wanted to be a bad person, I just wanted to understand something, you know, like what made people tick in the ways that it did, because I, I guess the first and foremost, I've always been really, like, just intrigued by human nature, more or less, for, for better or worse. Hey guys, what's up? Tom Dunn here from Through the Black. We have launched our new ministry outreach, No More Dead Babies, and the website is nomoredeadbabies.com. We want you to go to that website and get a free t-shirt, okay? Um, and uh, we want you to join the movement, okay? We need soldiers to step up and say that they're going to be a voice for the voiceless, okay? Guys, we've never done anything like this before. This is a big deal, and I don't know who all is ready for it out there, but it's time to step up, okay? And we're asking you to go to the website and to order the shirt. The shirt is free, but you got to pay for shipping, okay? Um, and uh, we're going to ship it out to you as soon as we get it. You tell us what size you need and then we're going to send you the t-shirt okay join us uh the goal is to get thousands of these shirts i keep pushing this i think this boldness can be contagious 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 my name's nick i'm the owner of kevlar joe's and i'm the roaster i'm an air force security forces veteran a dad to three wild boys and a husband to my wife crystal and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee. Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you, and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold, be humble, be Kevlar. And you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. Enjoy. So I know you mentioned that you're a musician. So, you know, with, you know, the music industry, you know, there's a pretty good, uh, you know, stereotype out there. You know, they say it's, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So, you know, and you mentioned the drugs, you know, that you, you know, used to be uh, pretty bad off on, you know, heroin and opioids and stuff like that. Uh, I have the opinion, because I was once there myself, that these drugs and, and things like that are like veil weakeners, if that makes sense. Like it, it weakens yeah. the veil so these entities can 
appear to you, speak to you. And basically, you know, Vicki uh, Jo Anderson talks about this a lot. She, she refers to it as like a, uh, a back door. To yeah, the very much realm. so. So did, uh, I know you said that as you got older, they didn't, you know, appear as much, but you could feel a presence. Did the, did you yep. the drugs in, enhance your experiences with, with these entities? Uh, not in like the most obvious way. It's definitely more of a, you know, kind of behind the scenes thing and provocations. And I will say, like, so I, I outright seeing demonic entities, there's only been two times that I can actually really attribute knowing what it was and exactly the one, this one that I'm going to speak of, like, so very early on when I first, first few times I ever went through really bad dope sickness, uh, I'll never forget it. Like it was, you know, going to bed at night and I'd been sleeping all day already, but I just, I wanted to check out. And my routine at the time was I always had my TV on. You know, and I decided to sleep in my armchair for whatever reason. I just, I covered the, the, and it was already nighttime, but I still, so no light come into the room. And I covered everything up pitch black in there and I turned the TV off and it was, I tried to go back to sleep and tried to stay asleep for the night. Well, at some point I did fall asleep, but I became consciously aware when I woke up and this is, this is where it was weird for me. So when I woke up, I'm thinking in my head shit i don't want to like i'm alive you know like i'm I'm, I'm remembering i feel like crap i'm sick and then i'm kind of like i actually asked myself this question in my consciousness said am i actually awake am i still asleep and like i said it's pitch black in the room and my eyes are closed if i'm sleeping but as soon as this question crosses in my mind this flash of a of a of the most I can't even find an earthly image of a demonic face. Like, and I tried, trust me, I've been, I've tried to find any image that matches what this thing was flashed in front of my face. And it sent me across the room, just completely freaked out. Like I was scattered trying to get across the room to the light switch, you know, turn a light on startled me so bad. And to this day, I don't know, you know, if that happened while I was still in like some form of sleep coming out of it, or if I actually opened my eyes just because of this one little circumstance, you know? And then, uh, there was another pretty heavy, uh, moment in there. I was, I was going through dope sickness and I went through some pretty extreme troubles just to get a hold of one little pill that was going to probably help me for a couple hours. and my syringes were pretty old and used up. I only had one and it would like barely work. So like, you know, syringes, when they get really old, they don't plunge, they don't, you know, suck up anything. And it took me like two or three hours of just completely trying to get this pill into the syringe. And I was not going to take it any other way. Well, so after a few hours of struggling with it, I finally get it in there and I go to stand up and I go to walk out of the little room where I was sitting in that I did it in. And all of a sudden, my legs give out on me, and I just land on my face practically. And I'm just sitting there staring, like, and I feel this, like, presence imposing down on me, just lecturing me. And I can't move. And I think the clock said, like, it was, like, 1 a.m. at that point. And whatever was pulling me down there 
I didn't, when I finally came to and I got up and all of a sudden I'm sick again, and it's like four o'clock in the morning at that point. And I was just completely like, what just happened? You know what I mean? Like, like, I, I, I think it was God trying to wake me up because around that time was when my son was going to be born. And I was trying to get actively clean, but I kept backsliding and doing all these stupid things. You know, found myself in jail. And, you know, I just, I, I felt this really big presence of, like, just trying to be woke up to, like, you need to get it together. Like, for whatever, for obvious reasons in that sense. And, you know, I, I did ultimately, it didn't take me too much longer after that. It was a little back and forth, but somewhere where I'm not even close to now, I've been, you know, sober from from that for, what, 14 years now at least? 15 years? And that's awesome, man, I, and I know you probably heard it from everybody around you, but, you know, you ain't hurt from me, but I'm proud of you, man. Uh, I, I was down that dark hole, and, you know, I never resorted to, to needles but I've, I've done everything else and you're talking about the sickness and and all these things I, a lot of people can hear that and, and sympathize but if you've not been there you don't know you do not know you cannot begin to know the sickness and just how bad you feel detoxing off of this stuff and it's easy for for people to sit back and be like, oh, well, they're a loser. They're never going to get their life straightened out. You know, it's, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough. It's funny, too, because there's people that are so apathetic that will, you know, I don't go to the point of calling it like it's referred to as a disease. Uh, I think it's something much worse than that, you know? Like, there is, it really is a suffering of spiritual death. And to understand the gravity of that, uh, lack of a better word, <laughs> uh, that's just a completely overlooked thing. It really is because when I came to like you know understanding things that Jesus talks about, especially like what he spoke of, you know, his first coming as you know helping with spiritual death, and that's become very significant to me because. It's very rampant, you know? It was then and even more so now, right? So, yeah, I, disease is just another manufactured word as far as I, I'm concerned, but there are people that would refer to it as, you know, a disease, and then the people that are apathetic to it as a disease, like, it's just, there's no real understanding of it, completely overlooked. And uh, your story, too, about being in the chair... That reminds me of, uh, I talked to this guy named Brady, and I had talked to him about, uh, well, initially it was because he was a third-degree Mason, and he was talking about, you know, uh, his experiences uh, with the Masons and the Masonic Lodge, but, you know, he, he had a similar story, you know, that he was, you know, getting on drugs and alcohol and things like that, and he said that he was basically living, like, in a, in a, base, a basement apartment, and he, he talked about some of these supernatural experiences he had, and, and his was very similar to to yours. He was laying back in his uh, recliner, 
and he said that uh, basically just out of nowhere, just this apparition, this demonic, you know, just terrifying face or apparition appears right in front of him, nose to nose, and screams at him. And he said, I, I flipped out of my chair. But, but he had some yeah. really wild experiences. Uh, he seen uh, wolves in the woods that, that laughed at him like he said it sounded like a little girl. Wow. And uh, run up underneath his hammock. He had a hammock pitched up between two trees. And yeah. The similarities and, you know, of these stories. You know, when you're, when you're telling people about those things, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because you have the connotation of drugs being involved. So like people are just like, you know, well, of course those have to be involved, which I, let me just say the Baphomet story did not involve any drugs. Cause like I said, I've been clean as far as that goes, you know, for, you know, a lot longer going back. So yeah, I wasn't on any drugs whatsoever when it came to the bath situation that would present itself down the road. So, uh, well, since you uh, opened that door, let's go there. Um, now, with the, the Baphomet, you said, how long were you clean for when, when you had this experience? Uh, probably about 10 years. Okay, so this was uh, within five years ago. Yeah, well, 2019, 2019. was, uh, so when I was, when I talked about, you know, the, having a job and whatnot, like, um, so I have three beautiful kids now and, you know, going back 10 years, they were, they were pretty young. And then my third one wasn't even born yet, but like some point I finally was like, you know, wanted to find better jobs, wanted to find a better job, one that would provide, a, you know, a better life for us. So I pursued, a, at the time, Frito-Lay was a really great job. So I, I was working for Frito-Lay and just battled over the, the, the years that I was doing it, making great money and able to bring this providing. But, like, I, I didn't have a sense of happiness. And I'd always confront myself with that, like, am I happy? I think I am. But I wasn't. But I wasn't, like, I don't know what I was, right? Like, I had this, like, weird limbo in that time. So, uh, the relevancy of that is, like I said earlier about the whole job thing, money, all these things. Like, that I'd always had kind of like this, it's almost like something's not right. Well, that all comes to a head at the beginning of 2019 because I'm doing really well for myself. I just got a promotion like three, four months before uh, February of 2019. And I went on vacation and I found out that I was demoted for, you know, some really ridiculous reasons. Won't go into all of it, but pretty much I took a big hit and reduced and Everything I'd been working hard for was all gone over, you know, some psychopath that held a grudge against me or something. I don't, it, like I said, it was pretty devastating nonetheless. I had hit a pretty big, you know, just like, why is this happening to me? Like, I've done nothing but work really hard, you know? 
And that's not me, like, a woe is me. Like, I really did. Like, everybody involved thought it was wrong. But anyway. That's the thing with a man. You attack (laughs) his work and his money because we are money-minded and we are programmed, you know, to, to work and provide for our families. So a lot of men struggle with that because it's it's we're I, I make jokes with people all the time and tell people I'm, I'm a mercenary you know I've done lots of different types of work I've worked with steel I've worked in plastics and you know all kinds of different things and uh, I, I've done some CNC work for a few years and I actually had a guy seen my resume on Indeed a few years ago reach out to me and was trying to get me to work for his company and I was like, well, I don't know, I don't know, and I'll never forget it. He asked me, he's like, well, do you want to be a CNC machinist? Because this is the place for you, you know, and all this stuff. And I was like, man, if you look at my resume, I've, I've dabbled in everything. I was like, it ain't that I want to be a machinist. I said, I'm a mercenary. Yes, <laughs> you pay me more money than I'm making now, I'll probably go there. <laughs> it ain't about happiness, it's about money. Yeah, I can honestly say like that wasn't just it for me. I didn't have like I don't have any special skills. Like, I mean, yeah, I've, I've been working since I was fourteen, on and off. But like, I had period, long periods without jobs, and like I, I I didn't have any hope of making, you know, a a lot of money other than working class. Like, you know, barely maybe making it over the poverty. So the like, I mean, the options, especially where I geographically live, there's not unless you're like in a specialty of sorts or have a degree or whatever. Like the, that possibility has been bleak. But uh, you know, this just so happened to provide me with the ability that it got me to a level that I, I you know, a few years prior couldn't have imagined. You know, especially working three times as hard and. It, it, it's still never, like, it was just too easy to me, right? Like, I, I, I'm not one that takes pride, like, I have nice things, and I've worked for them, like, like I'm, I bought a brand new car out of it, like, I don't covet them, and not that I don't take care of them either, but, like, some people take that a little too seriously, to some degree, not that you shouldn't take pride in such things to a degree, but like to the level I've seen some people react, like I'm not that type of person. So, you know, there's a balance to everything, but in this instance, like, so I really did have a very focused drive, right? Because my wife, uh, she, she didn't see it that way. Like I was, I was, you know, not very present and being as much involved in family things. I was working a lot and I was like, you know, sleeping. I had really weird work days. I didn't have consistent scheduling with hers. Like she was pretty traditional Monday, Friday, weekends off. I worked weekends. I'd split days off. Like it just, there was no consistency. But like in my mind, I'm just doing what I think I should be doing. Well, this had, we had bought a new house. In 2016, we had bought, well, actually, the funny thing is we bought my childhood home. And we had traded houses with my parents, you know, because they wanted to downsize. I love saying that you you bought the house that you grew up in that you had all these supernatural experiences in. Yep. Yep, exactly. Now it's getting interesting. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was in 2016. 
And like I said, it's an old Victorian house. It's not like super expensive or like rich. I mean, yeah, there was a, there was an, a, a higher class of people that obviously owned this house, you know, in hundred some odd years prior, but like the way the town developed it, I don't live on a, on a, a richer side of town. Like that's exactly south of here, but there were high end people that lived here at the time. So it has that appeal or look to it to some people, but yeah, but it's still nonetheless, it's a costly old house, you know, it's, there's just stuff that goes into it. So that was really my paranoia of, you know, needing to make money at it. So I wasn't very, uh, wasn't the best. I wouldn't say a terrible father, but I just, you know, you get consumed by work. You're not going to the family adventure. You're tired to do this. You're tired to do that. It adds up, man. And, uh, when I got the demotion, like it was just, it, it, it gut checking so bad that like I, I found myself in this terrible depression and my marriage was already suffering prior to that. You know, my wife's telling me how she was, you know, she kind of like a year prior to that, she, she was talking about wanting divorce and all this other stuff. And like, I couldn't hear her and her complaints because I thought I was justified in how I was going about things at the time. And maybe it was a little bit of both, I don't know, whatever, right? But anyway, uh, so what is February till June, right? I'm limping along, I'm going to work, and uh, like I said, me and my wife became kind of estranged. And one night in the middle of the night, in June, early June, a voice woke me up out of bed she mind you uh, she works second shift so like she come home about 11 o'clock at night and sometimes i'd be up sometimes not well this night i was sleeping it's about two o'clock in the morning two thirty in the morning and a voice wakes me up and i get up and i it said go see and when i first heard it i didn't it just woke up and i was just like didn't know what I was hearing. I didn't it know said, if I heard it said, something. Go see. Yeah, it says go see. Okay. And you know, at first I didn't know if that was something like a dream or whatever that I had heard. So I'm like half groggy, half tired, and I get up and I go to the bathroom. And as I'm getting ready to go back to lay down, now I hear the voice again. Only this time I'm a lot more awake and more aware. And I'm like, go see. Go see what? I'm, I'm really like half in between. Like, what are we talking about? And like, do I just need to go back to sleep? Because yeah, like I see here. Well, well, before this, I, I guess I skipped a little part in between those months. Like I said, my depression was just so bad. I really got to a point of like, I considered suicide, and that was something that always plagued me as a depressed person. You know, like I was obviously. Uh, suicidal tendencies over my life were always constant, you know, in and out. And at this time, you know, the, the thoughts had introduced themselves into me and almost in a way where like, where I knew I could actually pull it off. Like I would actually do it. That was the scary part about it. At the time was, I knew exactly what I would do and how I would do it. And I, I was actually like, I, I think I can do this, but I, I was working the one day and, I had sat there pleading to whatever's out there in the universe 
I need something to save to help me. Like I, I didn't pray to God. I just said whatever is out there. I need help. And it's just funny and how that would come about. Cause like this voice wakes me up in the middle of the night. I'm not thinking about any of that. I'm not. So instead of going back to sleep, I decide I'm going to start walking downstairs and see my wife sitting out on the porch with our daughter. And as I'm getting ready to walk out the door, I get a. Now, they got me interrupt you, but I'm just curious. Do you, do you remember the, the voice, like the tone of the voice? Was it like, you know, a kid's voice, a woman's voice, a man's voice? Do you recall? Yeah, it was, um, man, it, it was not a high pitch. It was a very soft, almost like you could, you could hear it as a, as a, as a younger man's voice, like higher pitch, but also could be misunderstood as a woman's. And it's funny because, you know, my oldest son, he's 16 now. And sometimes his voice matches, like, you know, I can't tell if it's his mom sometimes because, like, he's right in that register. So it kind of has, like, that sort of softness to it. But, yeah. Well, even the Baphomet, I mean, if you know the imagery, it, it's male and female. So right, that's interesting. right. Well, that wasn't the experience. So, so as I'm getting ready to walk out the door, I get like, I don't, I get an instant like stop, right? And um, it tells me to go see again. I see, but I'm like, well, I can go see what? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to go see. And I, I'm stopped at the door here. And instead I get kind of this feeling to go over to this window. I got these big French windows that look right out into my porch side. And my wife's sitting there on her cell phone. And I just open up the curtain and she's on her phone, you know, playing around on it. And I start trying to focus in on what she's doing on the phone. Well, what I come upon is her and a text with an affair partner right so of course that sparks me and I blow up and you know what anybody can imagine kind of happens you know confront like you know screaming yelling all this other stuff right and I'm just destroyed you know and the worst part is is I got to go to work within the next couple hours and you know I never go back to sleep I, I go to work and, you know, at some point, you know, as I'm, as I'm coping with this and then talking to her, I, I come back to the, wait a second, I, what was that voice, right? <laughs> like, finally, it reoccurs to me. Like he was telling you, you to know, go see what was transpiring. Yeah, right. And, like, that, that really got my attention kind of diverted. Like, I almost forgot for a little bit what I was hurting them, like all these terrible things uh, going down. And uh, I, I, I don't know exactly what, I just knew something was good, right? And I, it was very weird because I had a really bad medical problem happen to me at that point. Like I doubled over in pain, my stomach and all these things you know, kind of going sideways for me, but in the midst of it, I get this really big euphoria. I think I'm losing my mind. Man. And I'm just overjoyed in, in ways that I don't understand, but yet 
I start having all these like, crazy things. Like I'm able to say things to my wife that like, like makes it sound like, you know, like we can figure this out. Right. Whatever. I mean, that's kind of a long story in that, but, uh, so like immediately in the summer following this is June. So over the summer, like I'm, I'm hearing this voice tell me that I've got to leave my job. And I think I'm going crazy at this point. Like, I don't know what, like, if I should do this, but like, and then it would say he will provide. And it's almost like field of dreams stuff. Like, I'm, and I'm really wondering, like, like I said, if I'm going crazy. And then finally I get to the point where I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, last time you listened, it worked out. Yeah, screw it. So about August, I get to the point where I'm just kind of like, well, how do I go about doing this? Like, so I, I, I ended up getting myself fired just by calling off a of work and ultimately getting unemployment, which was a pretty decent amount of money to be able to pay my bills, given that it, it was based off of my, my income. Yeah, especially back during COVID, you know. Well, I didn't get the benefits of that. This is pre-COVID. So it was the end of 2019. So from, you know, whatever it was, August, September, the end of 2019. So I, I go unemployed. And my wife, you know, pretty much says, you know, just take it easy. And, and, and you know, that's where I was at. Like, we'll worry about the job situation. You know, something comes up, take it, whatever. But so in this time frame that I'm sitting around, I was working on a music project that I was like really stuck at, like not, not very, um, it was a really great project and probably some of the best stuff I ever felt like I was doing at the time. And yet I still lacked this like, you know, creative force that like it really required. And I thought that that was kind of what I was being gifted was the ability to focus on that. And it's like, every time I would go to try to work on it, it would just be a dead end. It was very frustrating because I got all this time on my hands and I was uh, like in early two, or 2009 was kind of like when my shell quote unquote got cracked because my brother introduced me to like Alex Jones, the new world order stuff, yada, yada. And I, and, and I definitely did a lot of research at that time on it, but like, I kind of like, it's not that I didn't pay attention to world events over those years. I, 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 I could tell what was going on, but like I started getting into that again. So I'm like looking into like, you know, old things like the whole conspiracy stuff, like it's, a, and doing this for a few months, you know, I'm finding things that I didn't find back then. Like, I'm just, I'm almost to the point where I'm annoying myself because I'm like, Oh, here we go. Nick's blaming the world for his problems. Right. Like I really started wondering if like, I don't know why I'm, I'm compelled to do all this. Well, at some point about November, December is when I start finding these like avenues and intrigues pointing to more biblical natured things. Right. And I don't have nearly that much biblical understanding. So like I find myself asking my sister-in-law who is, you know, a lifelong Christian, like, you know, biblical questions and like people that I think would have, you know, knowings like as I'm trying to, and somewhat they did, somewhat they didn't give me satisfying answers. So I finally, about the end of December, January, I, I get my own Bible so I can just take it upon myself. 
And so I do that. And the one night, as you know, I'm going down this, I, I, I have this question in my head that comes up and I, I ask this question. I say, why do Jews hate the Christians that love Jews? Like, I noticed this, like, and, and for some reason, it, to me, it's like a duh thing, like, and obviously there's been, like, you know, jokes about evangelists, like Christian evangelists and, you know, stuff like that when it comes to the, you know, this unwavering support for Israel that isn't within some factions of the church. But uh, as soon as I ask this question, it's like a lightning bolt strikes me in the head. Like, it's, it's insane. Like, I, I guess the only way, like, if you look up the definition of being born again, like, I guess it goes along with that. Like, I just, I felt this huge presence coming down on me and starts just showing me all these things. Like, I hear war drums. Like, I, I, I sense this, like, coming uh, apocalyptic sort of thing and like I'm being shown all these things through means of like technology that I'm not quite understanding like to what level like the internet and all these things and how our information like it's crazy I guess I'm still unpacking it to this day like what was coming down on me and all the images that were in it but in the midst of all this I knew exactly who it was and in the middle of all of it I had to drop and surrender I dropped and I surrendered myself to Jesus Christ. Like I, I knew who it was. I knew what it was. Without any any hesitation, and that's when I gave gave into whatever this this thing was happening to me. And it, it was like having a download in my brain, <laughs> and it was it was a manic of sorts feeling. Like it was it was intense. I bet you and this is when your spiritual warfare really ramped up. Oh, tenfold, man. Yeah, everybody's like, hey, and, you give your life over to, to God and to Jesus. Everything's going to be great now, you know? No. You, you've now, you threw up the battle flag for the enemy team to the demonic realm. So now they're going to come at you. Oh, man. And there's a whole nother story in the last year about all that. I'm not going to get into tonight, but uh, yeah, so I... You know, as it, as it kind of settles down, I'm just like, Lord, if these things be true, can I have a worldly sign? You know, and that night I go to bed and I, I wasn't thinking about that or anything. Like I had this really great calming peace over me, but like, I'm pretty absent minded actually. Like, thinking back on it, like, I wasn't expecting anything. And as soon as my head hit the pillow, and I I had dabbled in astral projection when I was younger, too, like, in those formative years, so to say, because I did it by mistake, and I learned what it was. But, like, I wasn't trying to astral project, but it felt like I was being pulled into an astral projection. The second my head hit the pillow, and I, and I almost, like, jolted me at first the feeling of it because I was like, whoa, what was that? Like, that was crazy. And pretty instant for when I was like, you know, I wasn't even that tired yet. But I ended up just going right back to laying my head down and, and into this astral projection of just staying very close to my body all night. 
and I kept waking up. And it was like I was just right above myself. But three times throughout the night, I would wake up and roll over. My, my bed was right next to the bedroom door. And when I'd roll over, I'd be looking right at that bedroom door area next, next to me. And it was like I was looking for something to be there. But I'd roll over, nothing to be there first time. Did it the second time later throughout the night. And on the third time at like 4.53 in the morning, when I looked at the clock afterwards, but the third time is when I rolled over and this entity standing over top of me real quick like and just i rolled over and it's there and it says to me not if it's one more than 27 and more like it says not if it's one more than 27 like this and it lunges down at me and i just i screamed you know like like probably a few octaves more than i'm probably supposed to be able to physically <laughs> now you said that you know you were almost like astral projecting here. So like, was you seeing yourself in bed and like watching this or was you like back in your body? No, like, well, that's, that's the thing that I, I, you know, it's, it's just like when I talked about earlier, the, the face that I saw, did I, were my eyes open or not? Like, I'm, it's kind of one of those ordeals because of the way that it goes completely absent minded of any sort of existence, so to say. I don't know how to explain it. Like, especially given what I had just experienced earlier that night, what I've experienced over the last six months, the last year, whatever, my whole life, essentially. Like, there's nothing there consciously that's promoting this or, you know, enabling this to be a figment. You know what I mean? Like, and could you make this figure out, or was it just like the like the dark shadow figure? No, no, I I had 100% sight of it. So, like, uh, the first thing that I noticed on it was uh, it's razor sharp teeth it, and big eyes. Like, well, they weren't big, big eyes, but they were, and it had a yellowish, like, almost like a hologram hue to it, like yellowish, like if you looked at holograms or like, and then kind of like a mixture of like oil and water on like a pavement, you know, on that rainbow look, kind of like listened over. And then the sound of like metal jangling a little bit and the sound of things. And like I said, it's pretty instant, but like I was struggling with the identifying like horns and ears. Like I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure what I saw was horns and ears, but like which one was which was kind of as quick as it was and that's in hindsight especially that's what makes me like how much of that was really what i saw because i don't know like like when you have like dreams or when you have imagination imageries in your head and then to things that you actually see this thing this thing registered in my brain my memory as something that i physically saw because of how i was how i was recalling it you know what i mean like like, as if, though, you got a quick glimpse of something, you had to recall by what your eyes physically see. So that's what I was kind of going off of. And even if it's something quick like that, I mean, something that shocking kind of stamps your, right. your memory. Oh, indefinitely. Like, it, hands down. Like, it, it's only, 
residing right next to the, the craziest of the salvation moment that I experienced earlier in that night. That's, that's on a pile of a lot of crazy stuff, man. That, you know, what I've told and what I've probably not told either be too much. And so I, I, I go to my internet right away and I just start looking up, you know, the meanings of the number 27 or 28. Cause one more than 27, 28, right? Um, you know, what they are biblically, what they are in demonology. Um, it wasn't lost on me that this thing could have been the Baphomet, right? It definitely wasn't but, the, like, uh, a benevolent spirit. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so I don't get any solid answers, but I did find in some kind of, uh, one of the first things that I found, like, so what was it, 27? significantly and whether this is true or not was uh which i'd like to think it is because of what i experienced earlier that night with my salvation was that uh 27 was the significance to the ministry of salvation which i thought was pretty cool right because i i kind of come off from that experience about you know the journey since then especially but what i had to go on prior as you know, the tools of being able to uh, help preach the gospel to help others interpret it in ways that, you know, unfortunately, this world has altered people's abilities to finding salvation. You know, there's no greater words that are spoken in, in that book and through the words of Christ himself. But, like, getting that to translate to people's, you know, in the ways that it it sometimes can you know there's there's tons of mediums that can help unlock that to some people's perceptions so like i took that as like you know ministry of salvation is, is kind of like a badge like so whatever that is to this this message from the baphomet like i find that to be in you know relation not if it's one more than 27 so what's 28 mean in the call i don't know and so, you know, I, I have a lot, I have a few unanswered questions and we'll fast forward over a year and a half or so, but I ended up, uh, so like I, I start doing biblical research. Like I am reading Bible, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting really well caught up in all these things and I'm life. I go to a new job and I meet this friend of mine, uh, not too different from how we've met, you know, on, on on Facebook on a group, and this guy's now become like one of my good friends, who uh, who I talk to a, a lot about this stuff with, and and we do a lot of iron sharpening together, and I tell him that story, and about four or five months after we start first talking, and I. You don't have the pictures to show for this. Um, so coming around September of 2021, you know, we're talking and like, I start getting this like really like heavy feeling of like something's going to happen. Something's happening. And I kept telling him, man, like, I don't know why I cannot get it out of my head. Like, I think that thing that I saw was the path of that. And uh, it was a Friday, and 
the next morning, me and my wife were going to go out for the day. We were going to go to the mall over in another town and whatnot. And as I'm getting ready to, you know, to go out, I was in the shower. And as I'm standing there in the shower, all of a sudden I get my vision taken out and there's this being of light being like a, a, a man or an entity that's just light, nothing but pure light. And it grabs my arm and it says, there's going to be a big revealing coming soon. And I snap out of it. And I'm like floored by this, right? Like it's, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, <laughs> I immediately go to my phone, you know, after I get out of the shower and I, and I text my friend, I said, dude, this just happened. Like, you know, like, I don't know what it is. And, you know, we got me and my wife go out and it's another instance of like, I'm not having any sort of preconceived. I'm not like looking out of the corner of my eye. I'm not even thinking about it, strangely enough. That's the weird thing of how, when these things happen, something like that happens. Like, usually puts you I've got another, <laughs> yeah. And I've got another supernatural, like I've got a number of supernatural ones that are pretty significant. I'm not referring to right now, but, uh, these ones really don't have me paranoid or like really like lost in it. Like, so we go out to this mall, right? You know what a Spencer's is? Oh yeah. So as we're going out, we go, we walk into Spencer's and the first thing that I see, and I was just in there not too long ago, like really recently. And it wasn't even nearly as heavy satanic themed as it was this particular day. And as I'm standing there, just like taking in all this stuff, like shirts, posters, and you name it, and just about everything in there. Yeah, I got a lot of numbers, shirt yeah. racks. Yeah, but this is like really bad. I mean, it, it seemed like every shirt, everything that was on that that display wall, was some sort of satanic themed, or like you know, jokingly about like there was like board games that looked like you know seventies type style board games, like what's let's sacrifice Tommy or something like that, you know, like just kind of mocking it, but having fun, like as if though it was like, ha uh-huh. Well, that's like the last time I went, my daughter uh, was looking at the shirts on the wall and she was like, I would love to have this shirt right here. And it was some rapper and it had triple nine on the front in red. And I'm like, no, that's six, six, six upside down. No, that ain't happening. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's it's so in our face, right? And as I'm looking around at all this stuff, I'm kind of shaking my head like, wow. Right underneath of me is a shirt rack, and on it is a, a shirt with the back of that on it, a pretty standard image that I'm pretty sure I came across the image of it. But what I'm, what I'm noticing more on this particular shirt, there's Roman numerals. On each side of it. And mind you, like I said, I looked up the Baphomet in 2019 when I had this experience, or, tw- or beginning of 2020 when that happened, I looked him up. I never once saw the number 28 associated with him or it. Right? And as I'm looking at this shirt, the no- Roman numerals, and whenever you, did, you show this on the screen, 
it had uh, Roman numerals, I think, uh, 15 and 13, which adds up to our, uh, so uh, I'm really like struggling to do basic math in my head here. <laughs> I'm like, do I really see this and what it's saying? Like, I, it was like, there's no way that's 28. There's no way, right? And once I'm like finally accepting it, like I really had to like, I really had to like bust out my calculator. Like, no, this is what it is, right? Like, <laughs> well, did you ever find out the significance with it? I, that's what's got me puzzled. Well, I, here's where I'm gonna. I'll say I I sit with it as of right now. Um, when I asked for the worldly sign, right? And this is this is where this stuff can get pretty tricky. Is uh, I I I don't know if I should venture too much more or wait for it to present itself because I, it that message and that significance could be a um, a manipulation in itself. When really all I asked for and what God gave me was that worldly sign, right? But for a little while after that, I couldn't accept that. Like, almost as if though I needed more in a way that, you know, God wanted me to know that. Well, he obviously gave me the ability to see that far to validate what that thing was, right? Especially in a, in a very profound way, because that wasn't the only thing that I found. So, of course, I look up the Baphomet again right there in the moment. And that year, probably a couple months prior to that, um, there was a movie that came out called The Baphomet. And right in the title, the description, I got a screenshot of it. The movie immediately starts out with this a girl and her family, but they, the age of the girl, guess how old the girl is? 28 years old. Why would you need to describe the girl's age in a movie description on IMDb? Like, it's in the title or in the description of the movie right there. A 28-year-old woman and her family, yada, yada. That's the premise of this movie. And that obviously stuck out to me, and that that was well comes out well after all this happened. So there's another value, like wow, like what is going on here? Like go from not seeing that number, and maybe other people have. I don't. I I know I wasn't just lightly looking for these things in these associations, and all of a sudden in 2021, I find them in front of my face, and then right there on the internet when I look up. You know, in a movie description, right? <laughs> Which I didn't know nothing about the, the correlations with that. But, I mean, I've lightly looked into, you know, gematria and, and things like that. And I know that, you know, the uh, the unspeakable name of God, you know, the, the tetragram, is uh, its value is 26. Huh. Yeah, that... I wish I, I, and it's kind of been a more relative thing that I've been like kind of taking. Like, if you watch that that movie that just came out on Netflix, that'll leave the world behind. No, I haven't seen that. Oh, it, it's it's littered with you know inverted truth and uh, predictive programming. And funny enough, I mean, it's a doomsday movie with you know the Obamas. Being executive producers on it, which yeah, when you watch it, they 
they're just gonna be floored by like how oh, this stuff is so in everybody's face, but yet you still have people deny, you know. And it's it's not really the theme of the movie that bothered me so much. It was some of the dialogue between the characters and some of the things that they would say to each other, like little things that really stuck out to me the most, and, and just kind of the way this world's being manipulated by the means that it is. And, and it's like I saw my friend earlier when it comes to such things like we really find ourselves in these predicaments of like really assuming somebody who's deceiving others as being like deliberate, man. It's like, no, nah, man, there's a difference. There's the deceived and then there's a deceiver. And not very many people are deceivers. You know what I mean? They're just saying what they're deceived by. Yeah, just parroting what they've been told. Right. So I, I'm not one to be quick when it comes to like, you know, something of this movie. Like, this movie's of a deceiver. Yep. Well, Nick, I appreciate you coming on, man, and talking to us, telling us, uh, you know, sharing with us your, your testimony and your, your struggles and, and your uh, revelations and just, you know, just being open and, and talking with us. I really appreciate that. I'm glad. I'm grateful that you uh, you took the time out to have me on, man. It really made me put the story on there. Uh, More than worthwhile. I always enjoy these conversations. I, I love to talk and love to hear people's stories. Because, I mean, you, you got an amazing story. I, I, it, it's there's a, there's so much more, and I, I, I'm hoping to put it all together at some point to where, you know, at least online, it can all be. I just haven't figured out what kind of format or how I'd like to go about it, YouTube of some sort, like where it's just piecemealed out, you know. Because I'd like to engage with other people to hear their testimonies on, on top of it as well, like that's. That's what I do in everyday life in whatever way I can, whether some people know it or not. Like, And it's been an amazing journey since then for me. And it's had a, it's had a good fair share of ups and downs and even more supernatural things at play. That, man. Oh, yeah. That's There's a whole other world that, that's right at the tip of our nose and our fingertips. It's just, uh, I think once we uh, bit into that apple, uh, a veil has been over our eyes and there's a whole other realm we can't see anymore. And some of that's being lifted as we speak in the times that we're in and going into. And the thing that the thing that perturbs me the most is the amount of people that don't see some of it. And I, I really I really feel like man that do they even know, you know, what's coming, what's happening. Like, yeah, a lot of them, too, it's just uh, it's a 50-50 split. Some's been told about it, and they've just refused, and others just flat out don't want to know. That's kind of the point of revelation, I suppose, right? It's a step session of, you know, bringing people, those that are of, you know, that delusion of sorts to, to having their chance to having it unlocked because I don't know how much crazier it has to get than you know having creatures the way that they describe plague upon the earth like 
when you get into Revelation, it talks about you know, the, these beasts coming out of the, the oceans, you know, and, and images being given life and speaking fire and just you know, all this stuff. And when you read, there's even people that uh, these plagues and all these things happen, you know, curse the heavens. <laughs> right. So some people are just, are just uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They are just dead set on destruction and damnation. And I don't even think they really realize to what degree that is, too. Like, like you, ever, you ever meet someone that really thinks they're of a, a Satanist mindset or whatever? Like, they're, you know, there's a soccer mom that oh, I have a really dark soul because they wear dark eyeliner. Maybe they got into Marilyn Manson. It's like, Man, if you really knew what was behind all that stuff and how real that is, I don't think you'd, you'd make that claim, you know what I mean? Because they're not that type of a person. They're not really that dark person, right? They have that Spencer's, yeah. <laughs> you know, outlook. Yeah. They're just uh, flirting or dipping their toes in the water. They don't know how deep it is and that there's a big shark about to bite their leg off. Yep. Leviathan is... Real. <laughs> See, I told you guys that I was going to deliver. And that's why I apologize up front. I know you guys are used to a lot better quality than that from me. And I was just letting you know up front. Apologies. But as you can tell, the sound of this recording is much better because this is. After I've edited it, I got my soundproofing up and I've dialed in my studio a little bit better. So the sound is a lot better and a lot clearer. And I also had bought a, a new camera and I was playing with it and I think I was getting some feedback with that. So apologize once again. But man, what a story. And uh, Nick, we just had some really great conversations and he's had plenty more experiences that he's willing to share with us. So I, I look forward to those conversations. So Nick, if you're listening to this, Thanks once again. Definitely appreciate the time and you sitting down and, and being open with us and sharing. If you guys have a story, shoot me an email. Head over to the website, PrometheusLensPodcast.com, and uh, maybe we can have a conversation too. You know, whether it's supernatural experiences, some uh, research and some findings that you found interesting topics, I'm here for some good conversations. Until next time. Torches high.